this is editing Joel. Two quick things. One, there is some background noise that we can just not get out of the recording for whatever reason. So we're very sorry for that, but it shouldn't affect your ability to listen too much. And number two, there's a section about halfway through where Matt forgets that the two brands uh, merged and changed names. I was going to cut that out, uh, but it was actually quite entertaining. So I hope you agree with me and enjoy listening to that. All right, back to the episode. Take it away, Pastoral. Hello and welcome to the Collapse Podcast. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we are doing something a little different, although we're still fairly new into the podcast game, but we're going to do a mini episode. And when I say mini, it's like a mini of a single episode. Instead of doing kind of a longer story arc, we're just kind of focusing on a contemporary news of a company that kind of, no, not that kind of went bankrupt. It did go bankrupt. And today it's going to be Instant Pot. So we're just going to kind of briefly talk about the company itself, where how it got to where it is, and then we're going to kind of talk about some of the contemporary issues that are surrounding the product, maybe dispel a myth or two that are in there that we've been seeing in the news. So Robert Wang is credited with founding or creating the Instant Pot and then founding the company. He lost his job in 2008 during the financial crisis. And he was motivated by Steve Jobs. He really liked this quality and innovation quality that he had. And so he and his wife were both working and they struggled to have family meals, home-cooked meals. They ate out a lot. And so he had this idea of combining the slow cooker with a rice cooker to create this, he didn't know it at the time, but an Instant Pot that was able to make food quite a bit faster. And when you're thinking, you know, you think of these rag to riches kind of stories, wouldn't quite think rags. I mean, he was a chief science officer at the company. He was he was doing okay. It took him about 18 months to make this. He did have some help and some partners along the way. Spent about $300,000 of his own money from savings. Didn't say he drained his bank account. I'm guessing it was a pretty penny, though. Took out a chunk. And launched his business. Uh, they did try to sell to brick and mortar stores. They weren't very interested and they went to Amazon. And this is where they found their groove, sort of. They started selling one a day, two a day, and by 20 what was it? Well, the first year they were starting to sell 30 a month eventually. Yeah, it was released on Amazon in 2010. And it was about, after a year, they started selling about 30 a month. And one of the big selling points, besides the fact that it was fast, is he, didn't, he wanted to ensure that the food didn't burn. That's a common problem that he had. And he says they probably achieved that about 90% of the time. Okay, so things are doing well. Over the next few years, the company just explodes, and it actually breaks a Amazon like sales record it's the top selling non-amazon product on prime day for three years in a row so that kind of gets us forward for the next few years and is the now they didn't post sales numbers so we don't know but we do know that the one of the best selling years on amazon prime day was three hundred thousand units sold they were doing well and they've sold a few million units after a few years there's some articles that come out that it becomes a zeitgeist. People are all hyped up about it. They get influencers that are all about it. It becomes quite the craze. I own an Instapot. 
It is great. I mean, I've got one too. <laughs> well, <clears throat> actually, my my parents have one, but I used it a lot when I was there. <laughs> oh yeah, they they are great. They're fairly affordable. They're anywhere from well, so they only came out with the one model at first that sold for one hundred and forty dollars, but they're they range from sixty five to about one hundred and eighty dollars now. Things are going very well. It gets the attention of some leading companies. Uh, before I go into that, though, I will say it's not all a pretty picture. They did have some recalls, which, of course, that they said it was a manufacturing issue, not a design issue, right? Of course. So they, uh, but th- those really are minor bumps, uh, kind of speaking. So remember, the company started in 2010. They did get bought, and they got bought, and they buy. Uh, Cornell Capital. Yeah, that's Cornell Glass, the ones who make Pyrex. Yes. Yeah, they got their interest. Uh, they were sold. They were bought in April 2019. Uh, so, like you said, Pyrex. They also do Corningware, Snapware, Chicago Cutlery. If my memory serves. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Corningware is what I meant, not um, Cornell Glass. Corning. That's because I said Cornell Capital. Yes. <laughs> it's a private <laughs> equity firm. Yes. Yeah. Corning is what I meant. Yep. And then they changed their name to Instant Brands. They did not, it was, they were bought for an undisclosed amount of money, but considering they used the word unicorn, I'm guessing it was a disgusting (laughs) amount (laughs) of money. But what we do know, so this brings us up to, well, not to bankruptcy yet. This is 2019. We're thinking start or start of the pandemic, very, very beginnings of the pandemic. Sales for Instant Pot at this time are doing incredible. We don't know specifically for Instant Pot, but we do have the numbers for the company for what was the earliest year? 2021, Matt? Mm-hmm. So two years later, we know the company had a gross revenue about $558 million. Doing quite well at this point. The next year, not quite so much but still very respectable 524 and as we discussed off air uh, enough money to give the executives a uh, a cushy bonus i think it would be the <laughs> the term and then just a year later they went from a darling company being praised for being a, a unicorn in the kitchen industry or kitchen gadget industry and being sold in every major retailer to filing for bankruptcy which just like with pan am if you remember they it was just a routine bankruptcy for pan am they said this this bankruptcy is here to make us stronger that's why everybody goes through bankruptcy i think mm-hmm. that's what all of the positions say they say this this is to strengthen our financial position to better serve you and be a better partner yes now they are not going away and uh, in their defense, not all of their worldwide business is filing. It's pretty much just the U.S. side of the company. I think it's U.S. and Canada only. That sounds correct. They are officially stating, it, it, this is true. I mean, it's pretty much true for all companies that the reason they're filing for bankruptcy is due to higher interest rates, less credit availability were pretty much the two. Which is pretty much true of all bankruptcies. We've we've run out of money. Our bills are too high. Yeah, that's, the, that's what I read into that as well. They said it made our, quote, capital st- structure unstable. Imagine that. That's one way to put it. <laughs> so let's just take a step back here. And why, why would that be? They, they bought this darling company. They already are a successful company with 
a stable business. Why is it that all of a sudden they went from doing extremely well, getting the cushy bonuses to we're sinking and we need to file for bankruptcy? There are a few theories flowing around. Matt, uh, we talked off air. You can tell me about the one you had. Yeah. um, My main theory was that this, once they were purchased, they, they became part of a larger strategy from Cornell, right? And so I think like many companies, when they hit the pandemic, they saw a huge boost in their sales and they thought, wow, this now this is growth. This and, is forever. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly it. Is as I think that they overestimated the growth potential because the pandemic was a special time and there were many, many things that sold very well that declined afterward. So um, I think this was another case of uh, you know, got to continually grow for the shareholders. Let's continue expanding. And uh, they, I think, jumped the gun. There is an interesting caveat, though, for a devil's advocate to my own argument, which is when you look at the growth of sales from 2016, it grew every single year. And so I guess I could get your opinion on this. Do you think that my assessment is fair if the information that they are basing their judgment on continuous growth comes from a history of from 2016 onward continuing to grow and not knowing what's after the pandemic? So their historical historical data says we grow every year. So this year is no different. We're just doing even better. But did they grow in proportion to that scale and now, you know, set themselves up for failure? I don't know what you think about. It's hard with the information that we have. We can only speculate. And it is hard to say. I mean, you can only do so much with the data that you have and your projections were clearly, well, they either ignored the projections that they had or they were just wrong. Mm-hmm. It is very hard. Oh, so something we didn't talk about is the revenue decline, the exact number. So you said growth, growth, growth. Mm-hmm. So their revenue numbers, let's see, we have it right here. In 2022 is $524 million. And then in 2023, it went down to, to about 306 That, for a company that's essentially you're getting your profits, yeah, like you said, cut down by a third, if I'm doing that in my head, mm-hmm. that's a lot. And if you're already leveraged up to the hilt because you just bought Instant Pot, so one thing I will point out there, I think, is that this is specifically for Instapot, not Cornell. So Cornell's not filing for bankruptcy. It's Instant yes. Brand. No, no. it's Well, they changed Instant Brands because they changed their name to Instant Brands. Cornell did? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Instant Brands now owns Pyrex, technically, because it is Cornell? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Because they merged. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to make that sound good. Okay. So they're <laughs> Not one that of the we same. were confused at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can just uh, pretend that we knew that the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they bought Instant and they changed their name. And I'm sure they were very heavily leveraged. We, again, don't have that information to us right now. This is the more contemporary part of doing this kind of episode. But we can talk about some of the these myths that we have heard kind of come up. The first myth we've heard is that you've seen in the news is instant pot was too successful so what do they mean by that what they're attempting to say is that you know 
Instapot is a durable high t- uh, piece of equipment that lasts for a long period of time. It doesn't need to be replaced very often. So in theory, if you have something like that and you reach market saturation, then if you, if, well, if you have true market saturation to 100%, then you have zero sales because nobody needs anything anymore. Right? Correct, yeah. That's not, in reality, that's not typically true because there are products that break, right? Or people do get new ones. And, and there will never be a 100% sated marketplace because there's always new people. Every year, there's people entering that market. Exactly. And to say that, oh, well, they just hit this brick wall one year. Now, let's say that that is true. Let's say all of a sudden demand just plummeted. Not because there was nobody wanted it because they didn't need it. Nobody want they don't need two instant pot. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of companies out there that operate in this very low volume area, even in the kitchen department. Yeah, <laughs> sector. I guess sector is probably the more appropriate word. When I think of the Dutch oven, that's one of them. I mean, how many Dutch ovens do you buy in your life? Right. Right. Few. Even even a microwave, believe it or not. I mean, like, you, you can keep a microwave for years and years and years and years and years. And those companies that sell those things, they diversify, right? It's, they don't just sell microwaves. I can't even think of a company that just sells microwaves. I'm sure there are, but, yeah, they have a wide range of products that they can then draw from. And Instant Brands does that as well. They have a lot of different things. So the myth that they went under because they were too successful doesn't hold any weight. What they needed to do... And they may have, again, we just don't have the information. They can project the demand to the best of the ability or at least prepare for that eventuality knowing that we are going to turn from what you, what you were describing, a high-growth company, into a maintenance company. Yeah, which unfortunately is incompatible with the current method of shareholder <laughs> profitability. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually, that's I think the the interesting argument that's brought up by some of the articles that we read is like, if you build something to last, it is incompatible with current profitability uh, models for profitability, at least according to shareholders. Yes, and I think that is a change that is slowly coming mm-hmm. because these tech companies are reaching their market saturation. Look at Facebook. I know we're going off tangent here for a second. There, you know how many new users they're getting? Only as many as that turn 13 or whatever the age is to get yeah. a new Facebook account. Mm-hmm. Few. So where is Instant going to go from here? They're going to continue to sell. They got a new as of today, or the current news of today. They got a loan to restructure and continue their finances. I sent you their official restructuring page, which mm-hmm. you they could have written two sentences, which is, we're trying to make it work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've always got to, they usually need to kind of couch these things in specific terminology, right? It's kind of one of those uh, necessary evils where it'd be nice if you could just two sentence it, but people are expecting these, you know, official statements of assurance. But, you know, I, I think much of it was standard corporate speak. I will say the one good thing that they did was they set up a website for, um, they're restructuring and they made available the notices that they sent to retailers and suppliers. Mm-hmm. And they basically told suppliers and retailers, we are not stopping our sales. We, we're relying on you to continue to be our partners to sell our products while we figure this out. 
but we have enough cash to make this work for now and we're going to keep selling. So you, you keep doing what you're doing and we will figure this out on our end. I think that helps a little bit because naturally, as soon as people hear chapter 11, they think, you know, customers are like, well, I'll never be able to buy one ever again. Because usually they think when they just hear bankruptcy, they think it's going out of business. And then, uh, of course, suppliers and such are are thinking, am I going to get any more of these? Am I going to be able to offload the ones that I... Well, I mean, offloading the ones they have is less of a problem than, you know, if they were making a certain amount of money off of Instant and now they, they uh, believe they're not going to get any more products. Exactly. And it allows them to draw from a re- revenue stream. Instead of letting it dry up, mm-hmm. I do think that they will make it through this. I'd actually be surprised if they didn't. Uh, they have some very well-known brands, and if they do go under, uh, they'll be picked up. Mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting, though, that so I I I don't have the instant pot. I have used them, and I like them, but I actually uh, received their air fryer as a wedding gift. I like it. Granted, I didn't really use any others, so I don't have a point of comparison. But, I mean, it's interesting to me that uh, an air fryer, which to me, they all probably do something similar, didn't take off for instant. But they're being sold left and right by other companies. Oh, so you bring up another great point I wanted to make, which is they are a surprise innovation, right? Came onto the market, took it by storm, became a hit, and then the big boy companies caught up, made their own versions, cutting mm-hmm. into their market share, so further reducing sales. And then Instant is trying to go the other way, cutting into their established markets, right, with air fryers. Because when you think Instapot, you don't think, oh, they're they're that air frying company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just not as successful. It's it's not going to be as much of a, a hit product trying to push into other territory. Product segments, if we want to use the correct term. Yeah, I do think it. Um, brand manager is one of those terms that sometimes feels like a wishy-washy title, but I think this does uh, show the importance of having someone who is a good brand manager because something happened here where, and, and you, I guess you can't blame them for trying, but something happened here where consumers must maybe thinking something along the lines of Insta air, like Insta instant air fryer. Aren't those the guys that do the Instant Pot? Why would an Instant Pot company be good at anything other than making Instant Pots? You know, like it's tied to your name, right? So, so I feel like there's a problem with brand recognition there that it's so well recognized. It's the only thing you're known for. And if you if you try to uh, branch out a little bit, people are unsure as to whether or not you actually are already good at that thing. Yes, which is why off-label... Not off-label, that's drugs. Why generic brands or a store brand will not be called the Target brand or the Walmart brand, right? Walmart mm-hmm. has great value. Target has a ton of its own brands. I mean, you can't even keep track of them all. Part of it is for that reason. Mm-hmm. I actually came across, I don't remember which one it was, but I remember thinking, I really like this. And I found out it was the, the generic store brand. Mm. Yeah. I like Target. <laughs> so we're going to end it. <laughs> Well, I will say it is interesting. We covered the two companies that we've covered in detail, Polaroid and Pan Am. They had pretty relatively long life cycles. Uh, I mean, you're thinking, look, you're looking at 70 years, give or take. 
from Rise to Fall, and this one was 10 years. No, 12. 12 years. 12 and a half. <laughs> I forgot. There was a, there's a, a well-known, like, I don't know, anecdote or adage that, like, a company only lasts, I forgot how many years. There's, like, an average amount of time that a company is supposed to last. Well, yeah, how many companies from 1800 do you know exist today? Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe a few. One, Dame, Daimler Chrysler would be one. <laughs> <laughs> they've been around for a long time. They, yeah, And uh, Mitsubishi, they've been around yeah. for a long time, and, too. And it's generic form, the GE, right? Mm-hmm. With, with Edison, uh, if you want to like really stretch it, but I, I mean, very very few companies. Uh, yeah, there is definitely a life cycle. They definitely morph. Yeah, there was one thing I wanted to. I'm just trying to pull up the document here. Oh, it was this. It just in their statement, uh, Instant Brands takes action to strengthen financial position and support long term growth, which oddly enough is essentially the title of their website. Um, yeah. <laughs> not exactly a catchy <laughs> website name, but, well, I mean, the website name is instant restructuring, but you know what I mean? Where was it? It was paragraph two. Okay. So in the, in the main one, they talk about how they've executed across five key strategies. Uh, but in their m- message to retailers, I love the thought we have been successful in our five key this strategies. Is what I love. They said, <laughs> Instant Brands has made tremendous progress executing our key strategies, including innovating and expanding our product offerings, reaching more people in more places than ever before in our company's history. But you didn't sell all those things that you... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you did a good job getting it out there. (laughs) It it was a funny statement to me where it, it was like, We've made tremendous progress executing our key strategies. What strategies were those? It's like we, it's like it, we managed to reach the end. It's when you walk off a cliff with holding a bunch of bricks very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what strategies were you were you shooting for here? You didn't specify. I'm sure bankruptcy wasn't the sixth strategy. Well, they would have made tremendous progress toward that one. They they certainly (laughs) did. Uh, Well, they could at least enjoy. Oh, actually, in their defense, they're not laying off anybody, not firing anybody. They're continuing their payroll. And like you said about those other. Yeah, they did a nice job keeping people around. Yes, actually, as much as we've kind of poked fun at them. As of now, things are actually not that that doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. So good luck to you, Instant Brands. And yes. thank you, uh, listeners, for tuning in on this kind of mini episode. Please email us or send us comments and let's let us know what you think of this kind of different format. They are definitely much easier for us to do, and we can pump out more uh, contemporary companies that have kind of gone under much faster than doing lots of hours and hours of reading and writing. So <laughs> let us know. We look forward to hearing from you.